Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 76. We are reunited. It's yes. been a while and uh, almost a month since our last recording. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> we kind of both got to the time and went, oh no, we have not planned this well. Yeah. Uh, we had a few, I guess, issues that prevented us from recording another episode and then... Uh, we had lockdown just a couple of days ago from when we recorded. Yeah. So that, again, meant we were, you know, we had planned to record earlier and it didn't happen. But, you know, we're back. So hopefully, um, you know, touch wood, we can keep recording. Yeah. And the reason why one of this or this episode is so delayed is we had our own adventures. So yeah, I think this is the Mark and Don Easter Adventure pod. Where yeah. We'll just talk about our various trips that we took. Yeah, sure. So we'll start with you because yours was a little smaller. Yeah, yes, quite a bit smaller. (laughs) Um, But nonetheless, still very adventurous. You went up north to tick something off your bucket list. Yeah, two things off the little Donny bucket list. Uh, The first one was the whale sharks at Ningaloo. That's cool because I'm hoping to do that middle of the year as well. Yep. Um, And your photos, despite some difficulties that you had... (sighs) Um, so looked, frustrating. Looked very good. Yeah. So um, I got a photograph of the whale sharks. Uh, the problem that I had was that my camera case, I have an underwater camera case, and it has all these buttons that can then hit the buttons on the inside. Mm. And what it kept doing was as I was jumping into the water, it was hitting the flash button. So the flash inside was popping up, and then it was trying to take the photo going, oh, there's a flash as well. Yeah. And it stuffed up so many times. And there's one, like I showed you that photo, that Mm. would have been just absolutely perfect of this like whale shark on a sort of 45 degree angle coming towards me. Mm. And it's out of focus because of the flash. So annoyed. But I did get some at the end of it. Um, I think we were both extraordinarily lucky and extraordinarily unlucky in that we got to see one, which is great. Yeah. But they were this particular one was super fast, mm. so it was really difficult. But it was you know within um, you know a meter from the the surface. Yeah. Uh, the previous two days they were looking at five meter depth, so that would have been yeah. That's kind of tough. Like you you dive down, you're there for a couple of seconds. If you're not a seasoned free diver, and then you've got to go back up again. Yeah. So. Mm. That I mean, it was I was really happy. It was great to tick it off, but it was also frustrating that the camera issues happened. But mm. I think, you know, I got to swim with it mm, six times. Yeah, you know, you can't complain. You know, and it's it is as magical as you know people make it out to be. Mm. So, do you want to share which company you went with and kind of the process of how you get out there to swim with them? Uh, so we went with Coral Bay Eco Tours. So we stayed in Coral Bay, obviously, um, and they took us out. We we used them before to do the Manta Ray tour, and they're a really good group. You know, they really are professional. They know what they're doing, and also the cool thing about about that is they take you out to other sites as well, so you get to mm. snorkel, which was just as well because the time that we went, I would not recommend anyone to go in April, to be honest. Um, the coral spawning was happening and the visibility was terrible a lot of the time. The water was a bit jizzy, was it? Uh, very much so. 
it, it was just um, so the way I, I see it was I'm, I'm glad that we went because of the whale sharks mm. but we were there in January and that was way better and also January was way quieter as mm. well so it was much busier the quality of the shore-based snorkeling was not as good but it was worth it just to do the whale sharks so the first day we got there and we went out to Coral Bay itself to Bills Bay mm. and you just you know had one meter visibility oh wow yeah really bad um the good thing was when they took us out further to some of the um the stuff that's you know I mean it's it's not far from the shore but it's mm. not swimmable yeah um taking us out to those places we had a bit better visibility but still not what we had in January where it was just crystal clear. Mm. So, you know, very good to, to do it, but I would probably say if you can choose another time other than April, if it's going to be close to spawning. Mm. Unless you really want to see the spawning. Yeah, but it's uh, not that exciting. Yeah, It's a nighttime thing as well, isn't it? Like, yeah, at all at once at night. And, you know, like really... I, f I feel, you know, if you give me a choice between seeing that or being able to go out and see, you know, some turtles swimming and some fish swimming, yeah. I'd much rather that. So, I mean, I had some okay swims mm. and I had to, I think, you know, put it into perspective of, okay, so this is not one where I'm going to get some good photographs. Yeah. This is just one that I'm going to just have some fun, yep. swim around, see some stuff. Like, you know, went to Oyster Stacks, saw some stingrays, saw mm. some turtles, saw heaps of fish. You know, it's it's still better than any snorkeling you're going to get in Perth area. Yeah. I kind of have that trouble as well when you've, like, got to take off your blogging hat yeah. and be like, I'm just here to enjoy it. I don't need to add content to the website or do this or that. Yeah. And just live in the moment rather than constantly think about... That's right. ...angles and photos and stories. And, and you know, I was there in January, so I, I can't complain. It yeah. wasn't like... It was like, oh, it'll be years before I, you know, I'll be back. And it's been years since I was last here. Yeah. It was just a couple of months ago. Yeah. So, yeah. So another kind of bucket list thing that little Donnie wanted to tick off was a trip out to Mount Augustus, mm. which is not a short drive <laughs> no. from either Perth or uh, Coral Bay. So what was the logistics involved with that? Okay, so uh, the big challenge here was that because of the heavy rains that they had at the start of the year, a lot of the roads into Mount Augustus had been damaged, and I couldn't get straight answers from people as to how clear the roads were. Mm. So I knew that the Shire of Upper Gascoigne had their website, and they said these roads are clear and the clearest way that I could see was coming from the south via uh, Gascoigne Junction. The problem with that was if you're in Coral Bay and you need to go that way, uh, Google Maps said like 10 hours of driving. Wow. <laughs> it wasn't quite that because Google Maps reckons that on gravel you're doing 60Ks. Yeah, I've and noticed they dampened that down a little. Yeah, and we, you know, we weren't doing 60Ks. Mm. Um, but still took a bloody long time. So we, uh, there is another way to get there, which is if you went through the north, there's a, a road that links up from one of the roadhouses across. And that would have taken, you know, at least two or three hours off the trip. But the problem with that was we would have to get to a river crossing 
that was only maybe an hour and a half from Mount Augustus, mm. if that was impossible, we would then have to double back all the way around. Mm. And we just did not want to try that. Yeah. So we just thought, okay, well, let's just cut our losses. We'll go the long way around. Because it's better. <laughs> it is. Uh, so we went through Gascoigne Junction, fueled up. Our car had a warning light that went on. And we went, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but luckily, we, we realized what it was, was our car was covered in these massive bugs. Because mm. I don't know, I think it's because of the water. Yeah. They must have had like a mass like plague of locusts. Yeah. Um, the front of our car was covered and we got a brush out, scrubbed off the radiator, mm. which was just covered in bugs. Yeah. And then suddenly the light was off. Yeah. <laughs> so... I think that's what it was. It must have been some issue like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's not a cool thing when you're heading on, uh, you know, 300 kilometers of unsealed roads in the middle of nowhere yeah. where there's hardly any traffic. In the heat. In the heat, in, you know, 38 degree heat. Mm. So, you know, the that was a bit unnerving, but we pressed on. Um, and the drive was awesome, though. You know, like, I think... There's just something spectacular about that outback scenery. And as much mm. as you see a bit of that in Cape Range when you're heading in, this felt a lot more like the Pilbara outback, where it's that just endless, you know, red soil. Mm. Just spin effects everywhere. Spin effects everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then these, like, just these peaks that were appearing in the desert. Mm. Uh, and it was just stunning, you know, like there's just something really special about it. And it's something I hadn't seen since doing the trip to to um, Karajini. Yeah. So that was, you know, fantastic. And as you, you know, you approach and you see these these little mountains and then you go, oh, maybe that's Mount Augustus, <laughs> yeah. but no, it's not. And you go around it and then you see Mount Augustus and it is massive, you know, absolutely massive. Mm. Um, and then when we got there, I was just really grateful that we made it to... <laughs> <laughs> to the uh, to the Mount Augustus uh, tourist park, mm -hmm. um, facilities are pretty good there. You know, it's the middle of nowhere, so you, I think you know some people have said, "Oh, the accommodation's crap." But what do you expect? Exactly, yeah. what do you expect? Um, and you know, the main thing was the beds were comfortable, yeah, and it was cool. Yes, it was a small room that was you know basically just two beds, aircon, you know, shared uh, shower facilities because mm. we we couldn't get one of the other uh, ensuite rooms. Yeah. But hey, it was actually more comfortable a bed mm. than some of the beds we had at other places along the trip. Mm. And adult Don's always a fan when there's aircon involved. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, it was so stinking hot. Uh, it was absolutely horrible how hot it was. Um, and not just, you know, 38 is the temperature, but the, you know, the heat from the ground. Yeah is also just you know just slaps you in the face with heat mm. um and then just you know locusts everywhere like you know the most ridiculous amount of grasshoppers i've ever seen um and different varieties like you i saw maybe 10 different varieties of grasshopper oh, yeah. um you know like the most biodiverse area for grasshoppers <laughs> i've ever seen <laughs> um but you know once we were there it was good we settled in and then the next day we did the mountain yeah so it's it's not a short climb is it 
up to the top. No, it's not because it's so it's twice the size, not in terms of height, but it's mm. twice the size of Uluru. Mm. Um, but luckily, the ascent is really all. Um, so you start in the southwestern corner, which is good because the sun's coming from the east and traveling around mm. north. So you're in the shade for a lot of it. Um, wouldn't recommend doing it in April because it was really hot and we had to start very early. So we got up at 3.50 in the morning. Wow. Um, we, you know, we, we got up, we had a, a little snack to eat, uh, brushed our teeth, drove out to the start. We were there at 4.30 at the the bottom at the car park of the mm-hmm. summit. And then we were done by 9.45. And I wouldn't have started any later. later and we were the only people who did it that day mm. because we know because no one else came after us yeah. and you wouldn't want to start any later than we started yeah um but it was fantastic you know it's a really good walk i actually think uh it's better than mount bruce as a mountain walk mm-hmm. um the reason i'd say that is that it's maybe a little bit easier for a lot of reward uh plus then the way out is really cool because you can go a different way out so i really enjoyed that um and i think the fact is so there's it's divided into several into four sections there's Mm. one bit which is the first three k's which is flat yeah fairly easy then you've got this just really steep section that goes on for ages then it's flat again across the top and then uh a very short 300 meter scramble to the summit Mm -hmm. um and just that you know, I think that the fact that it was quite easy, even Alyssa, like Alyssa was um, taking some medication that made her really nauseous and she hadn't really done anything like this for a while mm. and just started throwing up. So she said, look, I can't do this anymore. So she stopped. Mm. But she said herself, she said, look, I'd love to come back, actually, yeah. because this wasn't that hard. Um, and it actually, it was quite spectacular. Um, going up the, as much as she did and it's a shame that she didn't get to go all the way mm. because that bit across the top was really nice with spin effects you know just feels of spin effects yeah. uh, and then you get to that scramble and you know there's there's this massive summit can that the ranger brought up brick by brick basically <laughs> um, and they've got a little box where they've got the you know a notebook you can sign into and mm. some bottles of water because people don't carry enough water and die on this trail. Yeah, I suppose that's an important safety tip. You Definitely. Can give is always have a lot more water than what you expect to drink. Yeah, and I think as well, um, it's not just that you drink water. So what I had had in my bag, so I was really freaked out that we were going to actually die on here because, you know, people have died and, you know, it did feel really hot the previous day. Mm. I actually had a shirt that I drenched in water in the bathroom before we we left in my bag to put on if it got really hot at the end because a lot of it is not just dehydration but overheating. Yeah. So I think that's a big thing. Uh, When we left, we went through the gully track Mm. and the gully track is definitely worth doing. I wouldn't do it from the top in April because there's a way that you can go from the gully track from the summit all the way down, but it would take you a lot longer Mm. going down. So we did it from this like halfway point and it takes you to this 
like kind of a gorge area where there's there's um, pools of water. At least when we did it, yeah. And that takes you out through um, through the gully uh, and really spectacular through there. Um, but you know we we could definitely feel towards the end through the gully because the gully is you know like a an oven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not good. Wouldn't wouldn't want to be there any later in the day. Mm. Mm. And even you know, even with me hydrating properly, I had an awful headache when we got back to the accommodation, and I just slept because I was just, I was dehydrated, tired, and just absolutely just smashed by it. Mm. So how long's the walk up and back, including the gully crap? Ah, uh, they say six to six to eight hours, but you know we did that in five and a bit, mm. and that was including Alyssa struggling early on. And us going through the gully track, which is much slower. Like we we were like, "Gee, this this feels." They say it's the same length, but mm. it felt like maybe fifty percent longer because mm. of having to scramble down uh, the gully. So you know, it's not a long time, but they I think they say to allow eight for people who are slower. Yeah. And you know, if you spent a long time at the summit, like they've got a picnic table, people have a meal up there. You know, but I'd say. If you're going to go, go in July when it's much safer. Yeah. Because I would have liked to have taken it a bit slower and enjoyed the, you know, the full experience. Mm. But I was basically rushing. Um, so, yeah, I'd say don't go in April. Don't go to Ningaloo in April. Don't go to... <laughs> <laughs> don't do what Don did. Don't do um, Mount Augustus But worth April. the drive out there, you'd say? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I, we would go again because it really is lovely and we thought of you the nighttime because you mm. looked up in the sky and you know it's just that desert sky just no light pollution yeah everything you can you can see the milky way it looks like a long exposure photograph but without the long exposure yeah because a lot of like around perth when i'm doing it like i can i can make out the faint line and i was like well there's the milky way but like as you say out in the desert it's a lot a lot clearer and wa is known for its dark skies yep the last time I saw it that good was the was New Year's Day uh, twenty twenty when I was at Tongariro and I couldn't sleep. I walked outside, I was like, Oh wow. So, you know, that also felt really cool to have that sort of flashback to mm. that trip, which was in the before times. Yeah. Yeah. So on the way back, you didn't just drive straight home though, you did a bit of a detour to Honeycomb Gorge. Yeah, so we were the, we had a, one stage planned to stay at Gascoigne Junction and, and actually explore Kennedy Range properly, but due to all the stuffing around, we thought we weren't going to be able to go to Kennedy Range because the road was actually closed until quite recently. Mm. But we were able to push on through the... There's like another road that you can take that takes you via Kennedy. And it's excellent. Like, it's really spectacular. And we're like, no one talks about this place. Mm. Uh, it looks like a small version of Utah. Like it's got this, you know, like Ooh, nice. <laughs> these these sort of cliffs that are, you know, yeah. what are they called like mesas. Yeah, it's like a mesa. Yeah, yeah. Um, just absolutely spectacular and middle of nowhere and very different because it's nothing like Augustus or nothing like uh, the Hammersleys, yeah. which are very rounded in shape just because mm. they're so ancient. So I wonder what caused these to look like the way they are i don't know but mm. it's you know it's really cool um 
and honeycomb gorge is like a really short walk you know you know me like i don't ride up short walks so i'm like this is not a hike yeah uh but i had to because it was just you've driven so long <laughs> yeah it was really beautiful um yeah. it's just this area where uh, water falls from this waterfall in summer and it's created these little holes in the oh, in yeah. the wall hence the name i'm assuming yes yeah, yeah so very cool worth going i i would love to come back again i'd say july because you know there were some people camping and i was like how do you sleep mm. you'll just be so hot every day that yeah. you're here and then you also stopped via Calbarry to check out the new Skywalk. Yeah. Which unfortunately, it was in the news for all the wrong reasons. Not the Skywalk, but the town. Yeah. So, you know, the Skywalk has, I guess, been in the news for good reasons. Mm. That, you know, it's been an attraction that's been really popular. And it's, you know, I think we can be a bit cynical about how they've overplayed played it in the tourism. And overpaid for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But when you're there, you can't really argue with how well made the structure is and how good the way they've presented it and, and the interpretation stuff they've got there. A lot of mm. indigenous interpretation, uh, the scientific stuff that talks about, you know, how it was formed, the, um, you know, they've got a cafe, a lot of things like that. So very, very good in terms of, I guess, how they they've credited an experience that people can get mm. um but yeah the the thing that was i guess a bit worrying was we were there and when that night we had a we, we had a leave now warning from mm. emergency services yeah uh and this was the friday night before the cyclone hit yeah so we left saturday morning and sunday evening the town was basically 70 percent of the buildings were damaged or destroyed by the cyclone mm. very very sad for mm. that town because i mean history suggests that cyclones don't usually come that far south yeah not with that ferocity anyway and i mean for 70 percent of that town to be wiped out is a huge deal yeah and it's not an easy task to rebuild like a town like Calbarry. No, and also it's at a terrible time because of the housing boom because, you know, everyone's come home from overseas now. Mm. And so houses are being built and there's not enough labor to build back yeah. the houses. <laughs> and they're coming into peak tourist season as well, which is when they're the busiest. Yeah, it's it's really sad. Um, you know, the hotel that we always stay at, a place called uh, Calbarry Palm Resort, because mm. it has like this Kendone collect sign yeah. and we we always think of it as our home in Calbarry when we're there and yeah. they you know they're closed and they they said you know they they'll you know they really hope to welcome people back when they reopen but they don't know when yeah you know yeah very very sad for the town and we hope that gets on its feet very quickly yeah you know we've we've talked about doing a walk through there through the gorges at mm. some stage in the future so Hopefully, you know, we'll be there and we'll get out there again. And I really do recommend people go because I love Calbarry. Um, it's, you know, one of my favorite national parks in WA. So once they're, they're back in, I think, you know, if everyone can go, definitely do it. Yeah. Because, I mean, apart from the Kimberley and a little bit of the Pilbara, that's the last bit of WA I need to check off mm. for the website is Calbarry and up the Coral Coast there. So yep. looking forward to supporting them maybe next year, I think. Mm. And, you know, it's not just the, the the national park. The food is really good there. You know, like they're a really good tourist town that's well set up. So definitely, you know, go and support the businesses once they reopen. Mm. 
So, on to you, Mark. Yes. You've got a way longer yeah. trip. Um, yeah, it was two and a half weeks. Yeah. And, like, jokingly, like, because it was a trip with Karis and her aunt and uncle, Helen Candy. They live in Victoria. They were going to drive over with their kayaks, and we were going to meet them there and do, like, a self-drive holiday, mm-hmm. like, kind of a loop of the West Coast and back from Hobart. And jokingly, I'd filled in Hal's spreadsheet of where we were staying with all these walks. And I didn't seriously think we were going to get through all of them. But like, when you're out on the West Coast, there's really not much to do Mm. apart from hike and visit these wilderness areas. So So you wrote, I mean, you wrote like, what, 40 walks? No. So it was, the list was, I don't know, 20 something long. And I have 27 posts now to write (laughs) up. Because I remember when you were telling me, and I was like, you're crazy. I don't think you're going to be able to get that many times. I know. And like when I wrote, I was like, I'm not going to do this because we'll have like, we went on cruises some days. We had a railway experience. It was like just the fact of driving between places was an issue. Yep. And I really only missed out on one hike that I wanted to do. And that was only because we really poorly planned and didn't realize there was a uh, car ferry at Corinna that we ah. had to go on. <laughs> but even then, I don't think I'd be able to do it. I would have had to sacrifice one hike that turned out to be pretty good. Hmm. But yeah, so over to Tassie, luckily COVID didn't hit and we were allowed over. Um, arrived in Hobart and it was 32 degrees. It was so weird. It was April. That's Start of horrible. April. It was the hottest <laughs> April day they've had on record. Yeah. And the uh, Karis's family, who we stayed with for a couple of nights, like blasting the air con. This was unheard of. And mm. I was just like, this is fantastic weather. Why can't I get it out? <laughs> but I feel like it's, I feel like 32 is awful in Hobart compared to like even worse than Perth. It wasn't bad though. That's the thing. Like it, it was just felt normal because we'd had such a hot ish summer mm. that was quite humid. So I was kind of used to it. I actually, went, but I would have hated it. You would have hated it because yeah. you blast your aircon all year except for a couple of months in winter. <laughs> um, but yeah, but the way we planned is we could save a couple of hundred dollars by picking up the hire car mm. on the Sunday, and we arrived on the Friday night. So I didn't have a car for the Saturday, and I really wanted to get out. So um, Kara's sister lives in Lena Valley, which is at the base of Mount Wellington. So I was like, cool, I'll just go for a walk from the house and I found a rivulet I was like, I'll just follow this uphill and I ended up like walking for it over an hour and I was like this is actually pretty cool that you can just kind of begin a walk from the suburbs up to Mount Wellington mm. I didn't make it to the summit like nowhere near but it was still cool that there were walking trails nearby and and then on the Sunday we actually got going properly so I picked up the car and Mount Field National Park was our first stop which I wasn't too worried about. Like, I'd already visited um, two and a half years ago. Mm. So I knew the area. I'd planned a few walks um, that we'd already done or I'd already done. And one of those was Lady Baron, which you've also done. Mm-hmm. Very cool circuit. I got to see it with more water this time, mm. which is odd because it was autumn rather than spring in my last visit. Mm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But so, I think I think autumn's a really good time to visit. It is. Um, probably we're a bit late in autumn. I would prefer maybe a month or two earlier. Mm. But Mountfield, known for the Fagus on the Tyne Shelf Circus, that was one of the reasons I was kind of keen to head mm. out there. Um, but it was just nice just like walking just for the fun of it. 
because Karis was like, oh, are you going to do this one up? I was like, it's already done it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wasn't worried that, um, yeah, I, I didn't take as many photos. Um, the only really ones I wanted was the waterfalls because I didn't really photograph Russell Falls that well. Um, so I did that. And then the big one that I wanted to do was Mountfield West, which is a out in there from Lake Dobson and is the tallest point in the park and takes you through some pretty cool scenery. So from the Tarn Shelf, you can see the Rodway Range and Cake Hole mm. and I always thought it'd be cool to go up and visit those. And Mountfield West takes you along the Rodway Range and it's just ridiculously like just pretty the whole way around like mm. it's climbing and then you're going through these boulder fields pretty similar to Tulbrun up and then you're up and down and yeah the scenery is amazing and you've got all these tarns mountains in the distance these huge valleys that have been carved by the glaciers and I didn't get that great a weather like it was pretty misty and cloudy and I couldn't see anything for most of the hike mm. but then I got to like the plateau leading towards um, the summit and it kind of cleared a little bit and then as I got to the summit within a minute it just completely cleared and like there's just these dolerite spires everywhere it's it's really dramatic country and like because it's Tassie like it feels wild because mm. you can't see roads or highways or anything like that unless you really really squint yeah and like that's like the edge of Mount Field and the wilderness there. Mm. That's something I, I really find, you know, in, in Tassie that is spectacular is that there's a sense of like there's nothing beyond the national park. Yeah. Which you don't really get in WA. I mean, I think you do get that to a degree in the Pilbara, mm. but not to the same extent because you still see roads in the Pilbara. Yeah. And mines. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was cool. But that was probably one of the toughest day hikes I've ever done because you're either up or you're down. Mm. Um, always looking where your footing is, mud as well. And like, you know how I hate walking on moss. <laughs> the plateau bit leading to Mount West it just has so many cushion plants and sometimes <gasps> there's no option but to walk on them I just I was like I wish they had boardwalk here <laughs> um, but yeah your soul must have just been like breaking it was it was <laughs> um, but yeah ridiculously pretty up there and a lot of people out because it was Easter um, up there camping hmm so you can camp along some of the tarns up there. And I've, I, funny enough, like I was hiking back and there's this couple and I passed the guy and he had his big pack on. I was like, oh yeah, they're going out camping. And then the wife appeared around the corner and she had the baby strapped to the front. I was like, oh, you are brave because it's not going to be warm out there tonight and you're <laughs> camping in a tent with a baby in that's, the wilderness. <laughs> that's, that's the Tasmanian way, mate. That's Tassie, so. <laughs> Like in WA, they'd be, oh, it's too dangerous over there. Like, you know, we saw people do the overland mm. with a baby and, you know. But I figure it's probably <laughs> easier than like having a toddler. Yeah. The it, toddler, like, they're heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and they complain a lot. One of, one of our friends has one of those, you know, um, like a... Uh, the the hiking packs with the yeah, with the seat the kids, yeah. and they said you know there's like a there's like this perfect age where you can go and do a hike with them mm. and then they get too heavy and the, and then they're yeah. very slow and difficult to drag along. Yeah, I feel like this kid was uh, that right age. <laughs> yeah. um, and then around Mount Field, I said I do I did Russell Falls hike as a hike because last time I was like it's only one and a half kilometers. I'm above that. Um, <laughs> But I did the full loop and the night before actually doing that, um, 
I'd come back from a place called the Needles, which is very, very lovely hike, a um, bit of a drive out from Mount Field. And I was like, can't carry us, let's go to the falls. I want to photograph them properly with the long exposure and everything. Mm. We were doing that and then all of a sudden a lyrebird appears at the base of the falls and we're watching that for a little bit and it's flicking like bits of moss into the water and we're like, hey, don't do that. And then it flicked a bit, but it made too big a splash and Karis is like, hang on, that's not right. And that was a platypus. (laughs) So it was us and another couple there and they're like, did you see that? We're like, yeah, yeah, we saw it. And I was like frantically trying to take photos of this thing, but it was like 5.30, it was Mm. in the forest, it was getting dark. And I've got like some blurry photos of what looks like a platypus, but not really. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But like you could see it quite clearly. Um, So I was quite happy just to watch it like that. And then it just disappeared. So I similarly got a tail of a dingo (laughs) walking away. It crossed the road uh, in Cape Range. Mm. And I didn't have the camera. Normally I have the camera like in next to me. And I was frantically running and it was too late. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's long as you saw it. Because we had a similar experience uh, a couple of days later driving out to Lake Pederis. We're just along this winding road and it's just like, stop, stop, stop. There's a wombat in the middle of the road. And it's like quick but my camera was on the back seat so we Mm. kind of pulled over in a safe spot by the time i got out and had the camera ready the wombat had scurried off and i was like i'm not going to get a photo of this but we saw one so did you see an echidna no what no i see them all the time in tassie yeah i know and i've seen them in tassie before but i don't know it was this every time it was the right kind of space for it just didn't appear Mm. or it was way too cold i think it's just they know it's you no, maybe they knew Karis was with me because last time, the first time I saw one, yeah. it was clearly on the path and she'll hate me again for bringing this up again. <laughs> but yeah, we saw it and there's this family like crouched down looking at it and she like runs up and she's like, I can't know. <laughs> Pointing at it. I'm like, yes, I saw it. And now it's running off into the bush because you scared it. <laughs> so I'm going to blame it on her. And, okay. Yeah. That's the reason why we didn't see an echidna. But we saw a platypus and a lyrebird, which, you know, they're introduced. I'm not as keen on seeing one. I'd seen one before, so mm. not a big deal. Um, but then from Mount Field, we went off to Lake Pedder, which Candy and Howe were really interested in seeing because Candy had actually gone to the protests at Lake oh, Pedder wow. when it was being dammed. Um, and she was quite involved with that, so she wanted to kind of see what it was now and also they're kind of big kayaking fans so they um drag their kayaks out for a, a good couple of paddles mm. um, but there's really not much at lake Pedder. Mm. um there's a kind of it's like a rec- old recreation camp which is the wilderness lodge but like the walls are so thin where we were staying you could hear like quite clearly everyone around you but the lodge was pretty cool. The food was good. Um, I had one of the best pies I've ever had. Oh. It was a root vegetable pie with an onion gravy, mm. and it was all super fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as I said, there's not much to do out there, but I did end up doing a place called Mount Sprint, which I'd kind of eyed off but then was waiting for the right weather and came towards like the end of that stay i was like oh, i haven't done it i kind of regret not going earlier mm. but then the weather cleared up i was like cool i'm going and it was just a beautiful way just to see the whole lake area because you can see 360 degrees i got great weather the whole way up and you can see lake gordon lake Pedder, mm. and just all 
like the just the vastness of what would have been there originally mm. if you just cancel out some of the lakes. Yeah. And heading to Gordon Dam is a good kind of indication of what was there before because Gordon Dam, like it's this huge, like narrow gorge. Mm. And it's actually like like not bell shaped, but it kind of it's bell shaped and then it curves again and it's holding in all this water and the the valley is so steep like you just you can't imagine anything like that in australia exists outside of maybe like the blue mountains Mm. but it's crazy to think what would have been there without all Mm. the hydro stuff yeah it's always that tricky thing with the hydro stuff because obviously it's destroyed some of the nature Mm. but then they're 100 percent renewable and yeah it's like this there's this well, sort of balancing act that's hard to, to gauge. Apparently they were like enemy number one in Tasmania for decades and decades and now it's kind of swinging to like, well, it's not so bad. Like we wish it didn't happen. Yeah. And like they, had they have gone full steam ahead, a lot worse would have happened. They oh, would yeah. have dammed a lot more like wilderness areas. But because of the protests and the Greens movement, mm. they kind of compromised on... Uh, just a couple of dams yeah like i've i've visited the franklin and it's yeah it it's beautiful Mm. but and you wouldn't want to see it destroyed and the same thing with the ones that have been made but then it's just this you know it's just just so difficult to Mm. to know the right thing to do because would they have still had coal fire if they didn't have yeah and like to the uninformed tourists, like if you didn't know the dams were there, you'd be like, "Oh, cool," because they do have natural alpine lakes. Mm. You just think, "Oh, wow, what a great area this is." But once you know the history, you're kind of like, "Oh, I'm not sure how I feel about this at all." Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lake Pedal was actually pretty cool. Um, and then we went into the bad weather, so we had to backtrack because we were heading to Lake Sinclair next. So we had to go back to Mount Field and then drive up towards Lake Sinclair and I managed to get in a hike at a place called Taralee Falls which was just kind of like one of those weird things um, in Tassie where like it's a trail of decent length it was about three or four kilometers but like there's no information really online about it we drove to the place there was no signs I was gonna not do it because like the start is literally over a piping for some hydro <laughs> and it felt like I was breaking the law to like cross that area but then right. as soon as I was in the forest I was like oh there's a sign for Taralee Falls and it was just like I don't know it was just a weird thing Kara stayed in the car because it was raining so I was kind of rushing but I was like this is just beautiful like ferns everywhere beautiful trees it goes mm. down to a small waterfall this would be like more popular than Whistlepipe Gully if it yeah, existed yeah. near Perth. And this is just like a run-of-the-mill track in Tassie. Yeah. That's the thing that I always find amazing over there. It's like things that are not talked about, unimportant. To them, it's like second or third tier. Yeah. Here would be like, oh my God, this yeah. is the best thing. <laughs> if you can take your dog there, it'd be like number one everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I arrived at Lake Sinclair after driving through what I called was sleet. But Karis was like, no, that has to be snow. It was kind of like just the first little bits of snow and it kind of melted as soon as they hit the ground. But then we got to Lake Sinclair and we're like, oh, no, this is snow. Yep. <laughs> and the yeah, awesome. cold snap came through Tassie and it was just amazing because I had not seen snow like properly since 1996. Wow. When we were in England and before that in 94 when we were up in Threadbow. But 
like it's just that like magical mm. like time and like the the lodge there feels like a proper like hiking lodge even though it kind of it's not that user friendly and mm. then you just like watch the snow fall with a hot chocolate the ground starts becoming white the tables fill up with snow and i was just like yes <laughs> this is pretty cool i did not expect this at all yep um, but the downside was like we couldn't really see much of lake sinclair or the mount olympus or any of the the mountains around um, but we did get to hike in snow so how i wasn't gonna actually hike on the the snow day but how was like let's just do one of the smaller walks yeah yeah so we run to do it <laughs> yeah we were in our thermals in our wet weather gear we were drenched by the end um but it was so cool just to like walk in snow and just see like ferns with snow on them and mm. like aussie eucalypts and bank shears with snow on them it was just such a, a juxtaposition that you wouldn't expect mm. it was kind of surreal but yeah so like, did, did you do that, like the Aboriginal Heritage one? No, we did the Platypus Bay okay, walk, yeah. which, yep. um, yeah, no platypus. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> of even course. they would be out. <laughs> yeah. um, but so that was just cool just for the snow part. And then the next day, yeah, we did the Aboriginal Heritage walk in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I did the Shadow Lake circuit. Oh, fantastic. Which is about 15Ks loop. And it like all the snow had melted at the lodge by then. I was like, oh, that's okay. I'll just it'll just be like a normal hike mm. and then i started descending and it's like snow 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 and then it was like walking through ankle deep and knee deep snow i was like this is awesome yeah like, it took forever to do the hike because you're constantly like is that mud is that snow is it ice like is it a rock so i really had to watch your step but it was so cool mm. and finally got like views of the mountains in the area i'm looking forward to editing up that one because i think i took maybe twelve or thirteen hundred photos for that hike mm. it's be something different yeah it'd be awesome yeah um didn't get out for a paddle on lake sinclair but oh I'll, I'll take that for the the snow and the oh the yeah hikes. definitely we also didn't get to stay at pump house point because it was fully booked and mm. you can't actually visit there as a day oh, visit really? so they have oh yeah actually they did say that to us yeah yeah but everyone at the um, the visitor center was like, you can walk along this rocky beach and they technically can't stop you because it's a national park, but they don't encourage people <laughs> to do that. Mm. Um, but you could kind of see it from the distance. It just, mm. one day I'll stay there. Maybe when I finish the overland, I'll make sure to get in. Yeah. I think now that they have a minimum stay, when we booked it, you could book like one night. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was like, because you would have only stayed there the night you finished. Yeah. But yeah, we had the minimum stay which is a bit disappointing yeah because it's three days now three nights yeah. which is very expensive yeah but it's an awesome hotel <laughs> it's worth it but um the lake sinclair um wilderness lodge is actually very well appointed so the rooms are gas heated comfy bed king size bed mm. which is amazing i didn't have a knee in my back the whole time <laughs> um and just plenty of room to, to walk about it's pretty cool mm. Um, and then Lake Sinclair, we went on to Strawn. So the drive from Lake Sinclair to Strawn is absolutely epic. So mm. it is one of the routes they use for Targa. And it's just winding, twisty roads. And luckily, there's like I think they've purposely done this as short walks along the way. Mm. So you're not driving the two or three hours it takes to get to Strawn. So it did five walks that day. Um first one was a place called franklin river nature trail which is just very short but lots of fungi 
you get to the like divergent point of the Surprise and Franklin Rivers, and it's just really cool just to hop out and explore. And then we did Donahue's Hill, and that gave me a glimpse of Frenchman's Cap, and it was kind of that thing where like you know when you're out and like you see cool kids doing like fun stuff during the holidays you're like i'm not gonna do that because i'm not like dressed for it or whatever it's kind of like that like passing frenchman's cap and being like i know i'm not doing that i'm kind of sad but then this allowed me to kind of see it and be like i'm gonna do that one day (laughs) yeah yeah and then a place called nelson's fall was next which was really like one of the probably one of the better waterfalls in tassie i'd say Mm really popular trail unfortunately so Mm. i was kind of having difficulty getting in my long exposure shots and then just kind of as you enter queenstown it changes from being like it feels very wilderness to there's lots of mining around here it feels like the wild west (laughs) yeah (laughs) because they have the couple of towns that you pass through i think was one of them called like linda or something i think so and it's like, welcome to Linda. And there's like this abandoned building that has a cafe at the bottom. It's like cafe closed. It's like, thank you for visiting Linda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like mining everywhere. And we stopped in, or well, I stopped in to do a short um, walk up to Horsetail Falls just to mm. get some more content for the website and stretch my <laughs> legs. That was, it was okay. It was interesting because the rocks around there were very pink and brown and it was just a stop and then we finally made it to Strawn um, and had enough time to do Hogarth Falls which is literally in the centre of town or just outside the centre of town mm. um, leaving a place called the People's Park <laughs> which sounds very like Eastern Bloc communist <laughs> like People's Palace kind of thing Yeah, um, but that was that was fun but again popular in the afternoon so long exposure like you've only got a small platform to view the waterfalls And people kept coming down and like standing in front and taking their photos and their selfies. And they're like, oh, are we blocking your shot? I'm like, don't worry about it. I'll get another one. And then like more tourists would come down. So I'm not sure how they're going to turn out, but it was, it was a fun, fun activity. Mm. And then around Strawn, we kind of, we had a couple of days where it was like doing touristy type stuff. So we did a Gordon River cruise, takes you out to the ocean and then up the Gordon River. And I kind of like I have mixed feelings about these things because it's like yes you'll get to see wilderness but it's from a boat and then it drops you off at this predetermined location where you can go on a nice little loop walk and be like wow wilderness but it's not actually wilderness. Yeah. yeah. And the whole time like they're very proud of how they harvested all these Huon pines and it's like there's none left now because of you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. And like the the like it's it was funny because they're like oh we didn't want this area dammed because this is the history of our logging rather than <laughs> like we don't want it dammed for the environmental reasons yeah and that's actually half of why it got preserved is because the loggers are uh, united with the environmentalists <laughs> and they actually smuggled the protesters up and down the hey, river. So sometimes strange yeah. bedfellows make the best like, allies. Okay, whatever works, but like, it's just weird. Like, we've cut down all of these pines. Um, there's none left now that are any good. Yeah. Um, and we want this area protected. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, this is a thing that you said to me um, that you found that all the walks are either these very touristy walks or the arduous hardcore Mm. southwest walks and there's no in between no um there's a few but like 
I feel like there's, there's really nothing to do in Southwest Tassie or Western Tassie without going walking. Mm. So they kind of have to either gear to the very basic tourists and then kind of people who are the more hardcore hikers have to find the other wilderness areas that are a bit harder. There's no like, this is difficult and if you're not a seasoned hiker, like you probably can't do it. Mm. And the issue I think Tassie has is like most of those trails will be very, very muddy so they kind of don't want to encourage people to go on them if they're just going to do the casual tourist thing and step around muddy bits rather than straight through them. Yep. But yeah, I mean, Strawn's actually a very nice town. Like as soon as I got there, I was like, I love this place. I actually wouldn't mind retiring to It's Strawn. the loveliest place, yeah. It just feels like, like it's not that far from Hobart when you think about it. It's like a three or four hour drive. Yep. And you think like Pemberton's that far away. But this feels like infinitely more further away than like Perth to Pemberton than Hobart yeah. to Well, Strong. it's on the edge of the wilderness, whereas yeah. Pemberton's not really. Yeah. As much as they say Walpole Wilderness is a wilderness, it's not, doesn't it's feel as wild. Vehicle tracks everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Strong was really cool. Um, did also a little historic walk along the town just to stretch my legs for that day. And then. The next day we were due to leave and we went back to Queenstown and did the Wilderness Railway and that was really cool. We did the Rack and Pin one, which is the really steep railway and it takes you through some amazing places. It really makes you think like how hard life would have been building that railway, which was just there to transport ore out to the harbour. <laughs> but it's now a really cool Wilderness Trail. Like it's a Wilderness Railway experience. Like it's probably more akin to going on the hogwarts express than anything i've seen <laughs> and the lady that was there that was running like our cabin bit was saying yeah a lot of people say that it's um quite cool and i got to wear my newt scamander coat the beast coat that you see perfect yep <laughs> so I dragged that all the way to tassie just for that one day um and that was really good cool. i recommend doing any there's one that leaves from strawn and there's one that leaves from queenstown they meet up in the middle but mm. definitely do the one from queenstown and then from there we were meant to drive to Corinna which is proper wilderness like it's off the beaten track as soon as you leave the road it's windy gravel through like really really fantastic uh, rain like temperate rainforest and eucalyptus and then we stayed there for three nights and that was probably probably the highlight of the trip I would say Mm. because it just felt wild like we there's really one way in one way out there's no other roads there's plenty of hikes to do like even outside the little like accommodation area is just these massive beech trees myrtle sassafras there's the occasional huon pine like you visited the Corinna to do the huon pine walk yeah. i was kind of disappointed by it i don't know why i think i remembered your write-up has been more praiseworthy it's the the loop afterwards we did the the loop that's sort of south of there oh the white river loop that's the one yeah we did that yeah Yeah. that's the one though i just i did the two because the human walk is like 600 meters yeah yeah i kind of got there i was like is this like is this it (laughs) like because they build up huon pine as like this huge thing 
And I'm sure the like thousands of year old examples would have been magnificent to see, mm. but they chopped them all down, so you can't see them anymore. Yeah, and there's these straggly ones that weren't straight enough for them That's to cut. Right. Like compared to a pencil pine, they're just nothing now. Yeah, you know, like who cares about a human pine? Pencil pines are so much nicer mm. um, because of the very reason you're saying. And if it hadn't have been, because we did a cruise um, out to the ocean and back, and it hadn't have been for the captain saying, this is how you identify male and female here on Pine. It's like, I could have walked past a few and not realised up until that point, because they're not, like, really distinct trees. Yeah. But they they do have a fascinating history, and obviously the wood was very prized. But, yeah. It's kind of, like, a great that some still survive. Um, but they're not like wow level trees. Mm. I actually find the the beech trees to be more fascinating because it feels like more Lord of the Rings like magical forest. Yeah, well, they do have that ancient you know um, Gondwanan yeah. nature about them. Yeah, and then while we're there, what else? There, there's the Savage River Loop, which is very very interesting, up and down, and then you go to the Savage River. Um, again, lots of the, the White River Loop type ancient forest. Mm. And then when we were meant to be leaving Corinna, I did um, Mount Donaldson, which is kind of the highest point in the area. And that was a lot of fun. Again, not great um, weather, but got decent enough views of the surrounding area to appreciate like just how dense the wilderness is there. Mm. If you ignore the mining area around Savage River. <laughs> yeah, and the logging that they want to do. And the logging. Yeah. Um, so from Karina, we went up to the Tarkeen and we stayed at Arthur River, which is kind of... It's on the coast and it was a nice return. I really love this, the coastline. Yeah. And I was like, it's kind of just... I belong near the coast. <laughs> it just felt like home. <laughs> and then we did a day in the Tarkeen, which was... It was good, but it was also very sad because you just know the roads there are built for logging, mm. not for tourists. And then there's you like there's a loop you can do, and there's all these places you can visit and hikes you can do. But towards the eastern part, it just became farmland and logging, and it's just like this is so sad that like the wilderness in this area is treated like it. And mm. the last hike that we did on that day was through Water Arch, and it's this beautiful limestone cave that's kind of been like not melted away but fallen away over the years and there's a natural pool beautiful area but you drive through dairy farms to get to it and it's like this could have all been beautiful temperate rainforest but now it's just flat land with grass Mm. for cows and that's Mm. it it's kind of yeah a bit bittersweet visiting that area and then as you drive through the whole northwest of tassie it's just one big dairy farm yep and that was it. We drove our final day was driving from Arthur River back to Hobart, which is five and a half hours of driving mm. plus a few stops. Um, it's just a long day, but yeah, mm. not terribly amused by the north end of Tassie, especially along the highways. Mm. It just seems very built up and mining and logging, and that's about it, and farming. I think there's more, but it's not as obvious because obviously there's the, you know, the cradle, uh, the penguin cradle trail that yeah. goes from the coast and there's some pretty interesting walks that are off that. 
but yeah, like from I know what you're saying, like it just doesn't seem like there's anything interesting. Yeah. I think I'd have to plan it probably, but there is like there's Rocky Cave. I want to visit Stanley again. We stopped in, but I just kind of wanted more time there. Mm. Um, and then obviously head further south towards Cradle Mountain to do that. But I feel like North Tassie is probably not high on my bucket list mm. um, compared to other bits of Tassie. Mm. But 27 posts to do. Um, <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> it's so daunting. Like just, yeah. like just editing the photos from Mountfield West took all of this lockdown to do. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, so the the Munda Biddy is 26 posts. I know. And that was arduous. Um. Good luck to you <laughs> with that. Well, I'm actually like, like a, a lot of them, like, as I said, they're either one kilometer loops or yeah. like 10 to 20 kilometer epics. So I should be able to bust out a few fairly quickly. But again, you never know what's going to hit. And I'll have to do like posts that I want to do during the year around Perth. So it's not just Tassie overload and people get bored. Yeah, because otherwise, what's that? Like, you know, if you did two posts a week, that's... Which I'm not going to do. It, it's too, <laughs> like, basically until I start them under Biddy, I reckon I'll still be writing Tassie posts. Yeah. I mean, I only, like, just released my last post from my spring road trip last year. Yeah. While I was in Tassie, so... Yeah. <laughs> Someone pay me to do this full-time, please. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like an awesome trip. It was, it was. And I like I don't think I fully digested like how nice it was. Like, you know, it takes a bit of time. Yeah. To be like look back and be like, Oh yeah, I remember. That was pretty cool. And I'm sure like looking through my photos I'll feel like that. Because yeah. sometimes like when I take them, I was like I just on a long trip I'm just like I'll look at those later or remember those later. Mm. Whereas like if I do something on the weekend I'll be like, Oh yeah, I remember that like straight away and like it'll be really vivid. Yep. Whereas, like, longer trips, I'm like, I'll remember that down the line. Mm. I don't need to get excited about that post just yet. <laughs> go, go do a Shire of Kalamunda walk. You'll be excited after. Yeah, I've got two of, two of those to do, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there will be purse content coming. I'll just mix it in yep. every now and then. Yeah. Provided we don't get locked down too many times. <sighs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. So, yeah, thanks for listening. That's probably been a bit longer than we probably planned but if you want to know what's coming to the long ways better in the life of pi in the next months two three months mm-hmm. you've got a head start yep thank you everyone for listening if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of real trail talk then please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on ratings really help us to reach an audience especially those who are looking to learn about the outdoors in western australia and Australia in general. If you had any questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or contact us through our social media channels. Thanks again, and stay tuned for our next episode.